Welcome to Seeds, a show where we talk about purpose with inspiring people making a positive impact with their lives. We are particularly interested in social enterprises and entrepreneurs. We will listen to them reflect on their journeys and take time to dig deeper in order to better understand what really motivates their choices. Welcome to the show. This is Stephen Moe speaking. Today we're going to be talking with Tim Jones about B Corps. Here's an excerpt from that conversation. And basically, if you are solving social or environmental challenges in an impactful way that is doing it in a really cool way that treats its suppliers and customers really friendly and, and equitably and looks after its staff, you're going to be the best business in the world. And that's what they're really pushing all businesses to start thinking about. It's like, okay, well, how can I do a little bit better in my governance structure? How can I do a little bit better in my environmental impact? How can we involve our community a little bit more? I learned a lot from my conversation with Tim, and I'm sure you will too. If you find the content helpful, then please consider sharing it. Now let's dive into the full interview. All right, so it's great to welcome Tim Jones. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Tim. Thank you for having me. Uh, as you know, this podcast is all about um, purpose and impact. Um, before we get into that and what you're involved in now, I just wonder if you could go back and give us a little bit of your history, maybe tell us a bit about where you're from. Sure. Um, so originally from the UK, uh, been over here since 2004. Um, Spent most of my career selling medical devices mm. uh, to orthopedic and neurosurgeons, um, which is such a random job to get into. Um, mm -hmm. It's a very sort of niche industry um, that you do kind of get into. Um, and obviously my training for that was I have a degree in medieval history, not medical history, as some people think I say. Um, and did that and enjoyed that for yeah, about 10, 10 or 12 years. And then, but just started, I guess, understanding more of the economics of healthcare and how um, I guess a lot of the big companies and um, even down to how some of the medical professionals operate globally, mm -hmm. um, but also within New Zealand, it, it was all about the money, not the, not the outcome. And mm -hmm. so that was like, that was the beginning of starting to question, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, and was, what that I was, working a, in. was that quite a gradual process or was it something that you kind of woke up one morning or how did it happen for you? There were sort of two parts really. There was there was a gradual build up of underlying evidence and data that I kept kind of coming across. Mm. Um, but the, the real, um, I guess, epiphany for me was, was the birth of my daughter. And it's interesting, I've been doing some research just this last week on how the unconscious controls so much of your life. Mm. Like 95% of our decision making is made subconsciously. But there are, and there are four four kind of well-known mechanisms of how to break your subconscious thought patterns. Okay, and one of them is a big life impact, mm. and included in that is the birth of a child. Right. So this was this was like that. That was like the the moment mm. when I remember I came home from work and I, I said to my wife, "I can't do this anymore. Mm. I, I cannot work in this industry anymore." And for me, it was you know the birth of my daughter and just sort of going, "Well, if I'm complicit in a lot of this stuff that's going on in this industry." I mean, I'm not actually actively doing it myself, but I'm giving it a level of agency just by being here. And I don't want to be doing what that's, you know, or, or involved with that. So that for me was like the, the, a real watershed moment, mm. which it then took maybe another two years for me to kind of really understand what my real purpose was, what purpose meant. It, it was such a new topic. I think purpose in general, mm. um, it's almost a trend. Um, and I think that there's a danger to that. I think that there are lots of people and organizations that are seeing purpose as a trend. But for me, it was very much like, a, like I say, a two-year journey of, well, n now that I've almost seen the world for what it is and what it can be, and I, I don't really like it, mm. and I don't want my daughter to have to put up with this, 
what's my part in that? And that was a really interesting journey. <laughs> mm, yeah, I can hear that. So you had the watershed moment, you had two years of exploring, and then was there another moment when you said, right, I'm ready to launch out? Yeah, I mean, one of the other, I guess, parts of that journey, um, like when I quit selling medical devices, I, I kind of thought, I don't really know what I want to do. I know that I don't want to do that. Mm. And I think I was still very much in a, in a very... I guess, business as usual paradigm. It's like, well, I'll try a different industry in a different role. Mm. So I ended up in the, in, the, in the world of commercial property, working okay. for a firm of surveyors and engineers. And very quickly sort of established, well, okay, it wasn't just the medical industry. It seems to be that business has some challenges mm. um, around just how it operates and how it interacts with individuals and the world around it. Mm. Um, and I actually did, was doing some research to try and do, get, find a bit of a cultural fix for, for the company I was working for because there were some interesting behaviours being exhibited in, in the business. Mm. And through that, I, I literally just Googled, you know, HR culture fix program. Right. And B Corp mm. was the thing that popped up. Mm. And this this was like, I suppose, the, I guess this was the, the light at the end of the tunnel. This was the, okay, there's something here. This this is beginning to make sense. Mm. Um, yeah, I discovered B Corp. And okay, okay, this is more than just you know, human interaction and, and working with employees. This is, you know, how does your business operate in terms of its community impact, its environmental impact? Mm. You know, what's holistically, how is it operating and impacting on the world? And I was like, wow, this is, this is something. This, mm. like, this, this makes a lot of sense. And so initially I thought, wow, this could be really good. I, I bet there isn't one in New Zealand. Maybe this company could be the first one. And mm. I went on, uh, looked at the Beacon website. I was like, oh, there's one in New Zealand already. And then I looked again, oh, there's two in New Zealand. I thought, hang on a minute, one of them's in Christchurch. So I thought, well, I'll give this guy a call and see yeah. what he knows. So Steve Arder, who's the CEO of Eagle Consumables, um, the first B Corps in New Zealand, the biggest B Corps in New Zealand, I just sent him an email and said, hey, this B Corps stuff looks interesting. Can I have a chat? And um, I think we booked an initial sort of 30 to 45-minute coffee catch-up at his office. And then about two and a half hours later, I left his office with my head just completely expanded but equally confused and okay like there's so much good stuff here to unpack mm. I, I, I now i don't know where to start so i kind of yeah went on a bit of a journey of sort of meandering and wandering to sort of find okay w w what's missing like what, what is the thing that i need in my life and then i kind of discovered it was this purpose thing and and there is a there is a movement there's other people that have kind of I guess, you know, there's a few people I've, I've had conversations with recently. One lady in particular, she just moved back to Christchurch. She's been working for a B Corps in Melbourne for a few years. And she's like, I can't even, the thought of getting a job in a normal company, mm. I can't imagine it. And this is the thing, once you find purpose, there is no going back. Mm. And so, yeah, th this was like the beginning of that journey to me, really understanding what purpose was. And then that two-year pathway was, well, like, you know, I'm a sales guy, what salespeople aren't going to save the world. That was my kind of initial, you know, I'm not an engineer. I'm not going to invent some widget or some amazing transformational technology that mm. is going to cure all of man's ills and, and diseases or anything mm. overnight. Mm. But then I started digging deeper and going, well, hang on a minute. We've got all these businesses that are impact driven that are trying to make change the world. And actually, how do we change the world? Will we change the world by convincing people and persuading people to think a different way and well hang on a minute that's what sales is sales is working with people to understand what they want to achieve mm. and then position whatever it is you're selling as a mechanism that's going to help them achieve their goals or minimize the risk of them not meeting their goals that's mm. basically sales so it was so it was like a, a process if you like of unpacking what b corp was what 
purpose was. Yes. And working out how what you brought to the table from your previous life. Totally. How that would be used potentially totally. going forward. Exactly. And, yeah. it, and it sounds like that B Corp is a really big part of your journey. Um, was that in that sort of end of the two-year period? Is that when you discovered it or was that quite early on? It was um, probably about halfway through that, that yep. two-year period. Mm. Um, and the, the company I was working for at the time, I, you know, I presented it to the, to the director and said, look, I think mm. this is quite, this is just a cool thing. I think this is something worth looking at for, as a business, but there wasn't the interest. And then I, I then moved to a different company. And again, I, you know, hey, look, this B Corps stuff, I think it's fabulous. It's, it's everything. It's culture, environment, impact, yeah. community. Mm. And again, there was, you know, the values of the business were kind of aligned to B Corp, but there just wasn't mm. the, the, the deep enough buy-in. Yeah. And in the end, I, I just sort of felt, well, look, if you really believe in what this B Corp thing's all about, then mm. perhaps it's time, instead mm. of trying to convince someone who you're working for, then why don't you just start your own one? Mm. So, <laughs> so talk us through that a little bit. You know, you've been working for years for yep. other people. How do you make that decision to leave the study paycheck, presumably? Yep. And, and dive in to start your own venture. What was that going on in your mind? Ooh, what, there are all sorts of words. Uh, scared, yep. um, fear, mainly negative words. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the lizard brain in our brain, you know, the amygdala is very, very good at highlighting all the things that will go wrong, even though they haven't gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, totally, you know, my wife wasn't fully back to work yet. Mm-hmm. You know, we still had a mm-hmm. two, three-year-old child. Um, so we, we, no, we, I, I guess we'd been used to living on two incomes and two pretty good incomes, gone down to one income with a child. And then suddenly we're down to sort of half an income <laughs> and then slowly crawled back up to one income. It wasn't, I guess, a decision that was taken lightly, but I suppose being in sales and business development, you had to back yourself to be able to sell your own self mm. or a business, you know, idea. And, and I think fundamentally I'd always known that I was actually unemployable in an organization i was always sort of the person who'd go yeah but hang on a minute our company values state this and yet you've right. just done that could someone explain like yeah. I'm, I'm just being naive here i'm not trying to be i'm just this is what we've been told to believe in but we're not doing that yeah like i'd always been that person in, in, yeah. a, in a company you were that person in the meeting who yeah raised their hand and said wait yeah. a minute what are yeah. we doing <laughs> why yeah. are we doing it and there'd yeah. always be you know a couple of people kind of go oh, oh no did he just say that and yeah, there'd be right. others sort of going watch this yeah um yeah. And I think that working for myself in a purpose-driven organization has led that real authenticity to come out and shine. Mm. And I think that's that's part of what I, what I want to help other people work out is, mm. you know, we, so many people are living confined lives, constrained in organizations where, you know, they just tolerate their potentially 40, 50, 60, 80 hour a week mm. um, where they know it's actually killing them. It's probably killing their family and potentially killing the world and planet and the environment around them. And mm. We, we kind of get sold that that's okay and that's normal. Mm. So, um, yeah, it definitely wasn't t- taken lightly. Yeah. But And just talk us through, let's just dive a little bit deeper there. Like just the, the, the negative emotions were there, but presumably you also saw that great potential. How was it those first few weeks or those first few months when you were actually, gosh, I'm launching out here, I'm trying something new? Yeah, you know, definitely, you know, the fear is there, but equally the excitement. And there's also a little bit of that, hey, it's Monday morning, I don't need to be in any meetings, mm-hmm. because it's my business, and I don't want meetings. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> That's quite cool. Um, but you you kind of have to, I guess, also remember that, well, you're like, I need to have some structure here, because I am trying to build a business. So there was definitely some benefits there. One of the real big benefits for me was was actually being able to spend time with my with my young family. Mm. Um, you know, when I was working for this commercial property company, you know, you had to be 
be in the office at 8 or 8.30 and you'd, everyone's sitting there at 4.55 looking at their watches, kind of going, oh, who's going who's gonna to break first? Mm. Um, just to be able to go, well, actually, I've, I've done enough today and I can finish at 2.30 and go and pick my daughter up from preschool and go and hang out in the park. Mm. Um, so there were like, definite massive upsides. Mm. And yeah. what, what, what was it that you actually started when you had this sort of revelation of, oh, there's a different way of doing things? You'd explored it for two years and yep. then looking into B Corp. What was it that you dove into first or, or were trying? So my main, uh, so the company initially that I, that I was running with, the, the branding was called Sales Operative mm-hmm. um, and very much focused on, on just providing sales training for other B Corps and other impact driven businesses mm. you know from a marketing perspective that's quite a cool it's a good pitch um but it's it's genuinely what i want to do and what i believe in it's not it's not a gimmick um because mm. i think there's a risk of a lot of businesses creating this kind of gimmick this hey we understand purpose we like b calls we want to help you mm. but they're actually just doing it as a marketing gimmick whereas you know like i say for me it's mm. it's genuine like I, I there's so much change i want to see in the world i mm. think is going to benefit so many more people and if i can work with an organization that's working you know, one of those streams on one of those little bits of change and I can help that business be more effective. And so it literally beats its business as usual competitor that's potentially causing that damage. Mm. Then that is, yeah. yeah. It, it and I think I hear really well. what, what I hear from your story is that there was actually a moment, you know, the birth of your daughter. Yes. That was really important in making that decision and deciding, actually, I want to explore doing something differently. So there's kind totally. of a, because because I see this as a danger as well, that people start using labels to sell more stuff. Yes. <laughs> and that, oh, of course, we're a social enterprise, but you dig a little bit deeper and get beyond the surface and you think, well, really? Is this what's going on? Totally. Have you noticed that as well? Totally. And I, I think I'd probably say even within the B Corps movement, within a lot of this you know, purpose in general, I'd, I'd say I'm more fundamentalist in terms of my thoughts and opinions. Mm-hmm. You know, there are Globally, there are certain some companies that are B Corps that you, you just go, yes, but the product you're selling is part of the problem. Mm. You know, fundamentally, your existence is at odds with the survival of us as a species potentially because you are basically, you know, causing climate change or you're causing poverty or you're, you know, Yes, it's great to say, well, we give back to a community that we're extracting from, but there's still an element of extraction. Right. Um, and I think this is my ultimate vision, how I would like to see the world, is that, is that actually you know, every, every business, every entity is only here for positive contribution. Mm. You know, I look at, I don't know, like Coca-Cola, it's, it's diabetes in a can mm. that is there to, to, to raise money for its shareholders. That's, that's all it does. Mm. Do we need Coca-Cola in the world? Well, No. You know, all it does is takes water. We're taking water out of the, out of the system to create a drink that we don't need that kills you. Mm. If they so, were a beaker, would that does that suddenly make them okay? Mm. In my opinion, I kind of go, well, no. I just think that's a product that we just don't need. Mm. Mm. What are some of the key things that you would look for for a company? And if you're helping them, actually, yep. you know, if someone comes to you and says, well, I'm already running a small enterprise and. You know, I, I want to understand this B Corp stuff. Sure. I want to understand what purpose is. What would you break down if you had a elevator pitch type thing? If sure. you had a minute to talk to them, what are the key elements that you think actually you can look at a company and say, yeah, you do have purpose? Yep. I think, I mean, the first thing is, is for me, it would be to benchmark, well, what, what are you doing? Like, what good are you doing? And it's interesting, I was talking to some of the, the team at Arkina this week and there's a lot of big companies that are actually doing a lot of good stuff. It's just that they haven't recognized that what they're doing 
is kind of like social enterprise or mm. it, it would mean that actually they're on their way to potentially being a B Corps in, in terms of how they're actually thinking or operating. So the first thing I'd say is just check what are you actually doing, what's, what's good and what's bad. And then the second thing, and this is the key, is why, why do you want to do good? All the stats are there. If you, if you want to be more profitable and earn more money, then purpose is, will help you earn more money. But if you're just doing it to earn money, on so many levels, on, on a personal level, on a human level, on the you know, fundamentally on, on the, the long term, it's not going to be, you know, the, the real reason for you wanting to do something. So for me, that has to be, you know, the individual has to know what their purpose is. Like if, if every CEO in New Zealand tonight, if we could convince the NZX 50 that tomorrow morning, all of their CEOs suddenly have an epiphany tonight and change their businesses to be having a positive impact in New Zealand or in the world, like that makes a lot of difference rather than just going, well, look, there's a shareholder meeting in three months. We have to have a profit. Instinctively, everyone wants to do good in the world. It's just that it gets, it kind of gets covered and, and um, distorted through, you know, our subconscious and what, what we've been taught, how we've been brought up. The, you know, the mainstream narrative of it's just all about making money and, you know, money will make you happy. You know, you look at every advertising holding in the world. There's not a single one that says, stop, meditate, go for a walk in the forest. We're not selling you anything. You know, the whole world is driven around us being sold more stuff to make more money for, for shareholders, ultimately. Mm. And so, yeah, I think it's breaking that down and getting, getting people to realize, well, why am I here? Like, what's, what is my legacy? Some of those are, like you say, they're kind of fundamental points, aren't they? You know, that uh, thinking beyond just how much money can I make from this deal or how much can we return to the shareholders? Totally. You know, let's go back a little bit. You, you mentioned you'd started the company how did it go at the beginning? I'm just curious in terms of, you know, difficult times that you came across, because I think we can learn from failure. We can oh, learn totally. from experiences that don't go the way that we expect them to. Yep. And I'm, I'm just really interested in anything that stands out to you. I mean, in some ways, I, I whether it was, you know, luck or, I mean, I, I personally consider myself lucky. And if you consider yourself lucky, statistically, you're more likely to recognize opportunities. There's some good evidence around that. Mm. I was lucky that I picked up a couple of contracts pretty quickly. There was one company. So actually, after I left the property world, I, I got into being uh, working for a sales training company. Mm -hmm. And there was a client from there who actually rang me when they saw my LinkedIn profile had changed. And, and they're like, hey, what's what's going on here? Like, you know, we really liked you as a trainer. Um, we'd like to get you come down and do some more training. And I said, well, that's okay because, yeah, I've just left, you know, the, the business, but you've called me, so there's no restraint of trade because you've called me. So I picked up a couple of clients. So I was pretty fortunate, and that gave me a bit of runway, mm -hmm. really, to get – this was sort of September, October 2015. Mm -hmm. So that kind of got me through into early 2016. The, the biggest uh, challenge I faced last year was actually um, – so like I said, I'm originally from the UK. My mm -hmm. father was still in the UK, and he, he got diagnosed with cancer in – well, he got diagnosed in about the September 2015, but he didn't tell me until maybe January 2016. Mm. And so for the best part of, well, the first half of 2016, it was, I guess, trying to understand, like, okay, well, how severe is this? Like, is, it, is there a cure here or is it just a timeline? Um, and then, yeah, sort of July, August, September, he started to deteriorate pretty badly. And it was basically, you know, it was pretty obvious that he wasn't, you know here for much longer mm. and so that that was the like the biggest disruption on on so many levels mm. you know emotional mm. spiritually mm. um physically you know three and financially you know I, I had to do three trips back to the uk yeah. in sort of july september november um 
just it, it's one thing to be a global citizen isn't it but then when something happens <laughs> when the reality hits yeah, of and you realize oh i've got to get back yeah you know, i mean i have the same situation my wife is from the uk as well yeah. and you know she had someone she was very close to pass away last year and so we were like well we got to she has to be at the funeral it, yeah there's just it's, it's one of those things it, it, yeah. i don't care how much it costs yeah she will be there and you know it, you're right it, it does throw up Lots yep. of things. So, so that was the main challenge that you that were was facing, the, kind of trying to start the business, but yeah. then having all these other things happen. Yeah, I mean, it, it was literally last year for, for me it ended up being survival. It was, mm. and it's interesting. Like I, I've I've engaged the services of, of coaches to coach me, and and I was doing some work with with one of them today actually, and talking to him last week. And, and when I was telling him the story of you know wh- where my business is at and what I want to take mm. it to and, and so on he, he was like you know dude the fact that you kept your business going last year mm. is amazing mm. and, and i think that's when you're self-employed or, or you know an entrepreneur on a startup business you actually don't celebrate the milestones and mm. i think that would be my biggest advice would be mm. like your first client take your family out for dinner and celebrate that mm. you know your first prospect emails back to says they're interested in a meeting mm. so go and get yourself a coffee or whatever you do like you got to, and that was something I didn't do well enough because I think I was so focused on survival. But yeah, and you can be so driven that you're waiting for the big fish to land that you forget that totally. actually I've had five wins in the last three weeks. Like, this is good. Totally, <laughs> totally. Like getting your first paycheck. You know, mm. someone has paid me money to tell them stuff that I take as mm. common knowledge. Mm. That's amazing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I think you so really celebrate, forget that. Celebrate not just the big stuff, but the small stuff. Totally. And enjoy it as totally. you're going. Is that, yeah. yeah. I've got my yeah. website live. Have a party. Like, yeah. just get into that. You know, it's, again, it's that subconscious. You know, we're, we're, I guess we're perhaps not really taught to celebrate. I think particularly mm. in a Western European culture, you know, your, your birthday and Christmas, fantastic. But other than that, you know, we're not really taught. Whereas I think in America, perhaps they perhaps over-celebrate. It's like, yay, we got some mail today. Let's mm. all have a party. Mm. Um, you know, yeah. gross overgeneralization. Um, but I think in general, we could, yeah, if you're working for yourself and you're working in social enterprise where you're trying to change the world, you got to celebrate those small wins because it's it's quite it's very easy to get on that negative. Mm. Well, that was the thing I was thinking of the the opposite of celebrating is the negative spiral, which is why hasn't anybody emailed me in yes. two days? And Nobody I loves really, me. yeah, I <laughs> I thought that that meeting that I had went really well, but now they're not returning yep. my call. What's going on here? Yep. And you can kind of focus on the negative, can't you? It's, and, and it's so easy. And you're, you're conditioned to focus on negative, mm. which is why the media, you know, is so focused on negative because because it, it switches our brain on. We get, I can't remember what the chemical is, but, you know, our, our, our biochemistry is wired to seek the negative. And I guess it's from, you know, when we were running around and having animals chasing after us. You know, if, if, you, if you're not aware of the, of the negative or the downside, you're going to be the one who gets, gets eaten first. Mm. Um, so the brain is conditioned to seek negative so you've got to be you've got to be hyper aware of that yeah and, and i think for me resilience and optimism are, are two key things if you're if you're in mm-hmm. a startup business or in life in general mm. and the really cool thing is the more resilient you are the more optimistic you get and mm. the more optimistic you get the more resilient you get they're, mm. not, they're so interlinked so if you just start working on one mm. then mm. You, you know you get more you get so much more out of life yeah so it's like a spiral that keeps going up totally upward spiral there's a, a, a this is good. This is good. Yes, this is good. Exactly. Yeah. They like yeah. leverage off each other. Yeah. And then um, since then, what sort of things have you involved in? So B Corp is dear to your heart. I yep. hear that, <laughs> and and that really comes goes way back to the beginnings. Is yep. that something that you're still involved in and advocating yes. for? Yeah. Totally. So um, there's I think there's two or three of us now who are B Corp ambassadors for New Zealand. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm one of those. Mm-hmm. And so 
you know, I, I will regularly just reach out to businesses and say, hey, look, I, I love what you're doing. You know, you, you, you clearly get this. Mm-hmm. Can I just have a chat to you about B Corps and if it's a framework that could maybe help you and, yep. you know, help so be I'm, part of this community? I know a bit about B Corp, but I just wonder if you could go to the basics of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's just look at it. If, if someone had never heard of it, yep. what is it that you would tell them? What does B even stand for, for example? <laughs> Great question. Yeah, so B stands for benefit. So the, the, the true name is a benefit corporation. Mm-hmm. So the, the essence is to to make business use business as a force for good in the world. That's the sort of the tagline for B Corp. And essentially, the B Corp certification process looks at your business and holds you to higher levels of transparency and accountability as a business. Mm. And so it, it essentially looks at like how are you operating and what what literally what is the impact? You know, when we talk about an impact driven or you know impact driven business, it's literally like what is your footprint on the world? Like how do you treat your workers? How do you treat your local community? How do you treat the environment? You know, who are your customers and how are you serving them? And the whole concept is, you know, I kind of refer to it as the self-sourcing chocolate cake of goodness. Mm. Like if you're a B Corps, you get more points if you have B Corps in your supply chain and if you serve B Corps. Mm. So it's kind of like each each B Corps is working to try and, I guess, create a little mini ecosystem of other B Corps it can service and, and work with. Mm. Each of them having, you know, higher levels of accountability as a business as to how they operate and how they treat their staff and mm. customers and suppliers. Mm. And it's it's really like a new benchmark for business. Mm. That's the basic. And it really is all about purpose when you when you come down to it. It's the benefit and yep. the purpose. And so just practically speaking, um, it, I think the way it works is that there's a m- many questions that people go through. Yes. And then you get ranked depending on the answer. That's it. And yep. if you satisfy the answer to one question, you get 0.8 of a point and etc. Yes. And then it all adds up to a final number. And the final number is either over or under the threshold. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. So you need to get 80 out of 200 points. Mm-hmm. And like even to get 80, a lot of, again, this is that that negative sort of failure loop, doom loop in the back of my, oh, I've only got 80. If you get, if you get, if you get 80, if you sneak in on 80, your business is already outperforming all its peers and competitors who are probably, like most businesses, if they went and took the impact assessment, probably get like 30, which basically means, you you know, compared to this new standard, your business is actually not performing very well. So they even get 80 is actually a phenomenal task. And, mm-hmm. a, and a most B cores certifying for the first time hit somewhere between 80 and 85. So it's like, I, I have a level of intent. I know I'm doing some good stuff, mm-hmm. but there's a heap of room for improvement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The thing I find interesting is that, that people have used the word, you know, triple bottom line. Yep. And this, in a way, it goes even a step beyond, doesn't it? Because it's, it's looking at, well, what's your recycling policy totally. and what's your use of electricity, yep. you know, that environmental side of things. But then it's also like, um, where do your employees come from? Which totally. part of society, how much do you pay them? Totally. How much parental leave do they get? Like it yep. gets into lots of detail, doesn't Very it? Very much so. Yeah. I mean, the, the backstory to B Corp, the, the three founding guys, they used to run um, a basketball apparel company called And One, which mm-hmm. apparently was the number one selling app- basketball apparel company in New Zealand. So there's some B Corp link there already. Yeah. Um, and they like for those of you who haven't worked in a company in the states like if you are an employee in the states you get very few rights you know holidays good luck um you know um health insurance good luck um i need a week off because i've got a sick child good luck um you don't get you know a lot of the stuff we take for granted in new zealand you just don't get and they started incorporating a lot of these ideals and principles into their business Mm. you know and the business went really well it became more profitable but then it got to the point where they needed to try and scale and, and get some investment in. And the investors are like, well, hey, your business is like really unprofitable because you're giving all this stuff to your employees. Like mm. we need to get rid of all that. And, 
you know, the end point really for them was they, they left and won and were, and were, well, hang on a minute, why don't we do this again? Because we had a ton of fun and the employees loved it and we actually stood for something and that kind of, mm. you know, kind of really had a good vibe to it. Mm. And then they were like, well, hang on a minute, what if we create a movement of businesses that operated like that? And bingo, that mm. was the genesis for B Corp. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it's not just your environmental footprint, exactly that. It's, you know, you get points if, if you let employees come and sit on the board meetings, you get points. If you have an employee representative on your board, you get more points. If you're a worker-owned cooperative, you get top points. Mm. So it's basically, I guess they've taken the benchmark, like what would the most perfect business in the world be? Mm. And basically, if you are solving social or environmental challenges in an impactful way that is doing it in a really cool way that treats its suppliers and customers really friendly and, and equitably and looks after its staff, you're going to be the best business in the world. And that's what they're really pushing all businesses to start thinking about. It's like, okay, well, how can I do a little bit better in my governance structure? How can I do a little bit better in my environmental impact? How can we involve our community a little bit more? Mm. Whereas I think at the minute, I'd say the, historically in New Zealand, we have what I call like lazy purpose. We'll have a sausage sizzle and we'll give some money to the Sallies. Mm. That's great, but fundamentally your business is still causing climate change or mm. inequality or poverty or hunger or whatever. It's like, let's if we can pivot every business, that's my dream is every business is for positive impact and we can, we can do that. It doesn't take much to change that. Mm. Yeah. And it, and it's really a, a mindset change is what I'm hearing is that, totally. you know, a bit like you, you know, birth of your daughter, what, what am I doing? <laughs> What's the value here? What's my totally. purpose? And then actually moving forward yep. in a new way. So I just want to let's move away from B Corp. And I'm just thinking about you personally. I'm mm-hmm. um, just thinking, where do you get your inspiration from in terms of how, you know, it, it must be hard to keep going. Um, what is it that you use personally to, to get inspiration from? What is it that helps you keep keep motivated? That's a very good question. And totally, I mean, even a couple of weeks ago, I just, I had a bit of a bad week, you know, mm. that, oh, they haven't got back to me. Oh, I thought that was a surefire, you know, proposal hit. And um, it's tough, you know, and, but that's, uh, that's life. Um, you know, there's going to, whether it's in business or in any part of your life, you're going to have those moments. Um, for me, I mean, inspiration, um, Muhammad Yunus was certainly a big one when he came mm-hmm. and gave a talk about um, what he's been doing in terms of microfinance finance in Bangladesh. And like one of the quotes that really hit home was, you know, no, no one needs to have a job. Everyone should be an entrepreneur. That was basically his, mm-hmm. the t- one of the take home messages. I, I, I sort of paraphrasing it badly there, but that was basically what he was saying. It's like, yeah. quit your job, start a business that will change the world. And you kind yeah. of think, yeah, like yeah. that, hearing guys like that who, who've, I guess, been trailblazing on that. And I guess who've been in the trenches and tried things and, and it's been successful. Totally. I mean, he was, he was fascinating, wasn't he? Cause yep. he's been doing it for decades. Totally. And, like way ahead of his time. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think there's, there's certainly people like that. And, um, you know, there are places, Facebook or wherever you can go and you know, dip in and see people that are doing great things. But it was really interesting. I had, I had a coach, I had a coaching session this morning and actually the biggest motivator for me is anger, um, mm. which is something that I've had to work on. And, and today has been like the real, the real moment. It's like, and, and this is something I think for a lot of social entrepreneurs, we, we are very, you know, huggy, like, yeah, we want everyone to be all inclusive and that's great. Mm. But anger is actually the the biggest motivator for you to get out and go and change the world. Like mm. get angry that there's inequality, get angry that there are people in the world who don't think in a way of purpose. And that is, that's, like I said, the last couple of weeks, that's been something I've kind of just been chewing away on. And, and today has been yeah, the call today. Mm. It's just like, I get it. Yeah. Cause, cause anger is an emotion that, gives you so much power mm. um it's just that um you know we traditionally are used to seeing anger exhibited in a way that is negative 
But actually, if you channel that anger to a greater cause and a greater purpose, that is a hugely powerful motivator. Mm. And it's and it's channeling it's towards something that's beyond you. Isn't totally. It? That, yeah. 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 And that's, there's something really interesting. You know, a, a lot of people might have heard of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm. And I think there's five that are traditionally kind of tabled with self-actualization being the top one. But he actually had an unpublished version before he died. And he had, a, he had another triangle at the top, which was transcendental purpose. Hmm. And that's really interesting. And, that, and this is the thing. Like if you can be get angry enough about something that's going on in the world, but use that to, to create change that is above and beyond yourself and for a much bigger purpose, hmm. that for me is the sweet spot that I want to try and get every individual to. Because hmm. if, if everyone was living a life of transcendental purpose – there would be no poverty, there would be no inequality, there would be no hunger, there would be no climate change mm. because collectively we would not allow it to happen because we wouldn't want our fellow humans to be suffering. Mm. But you know, mostly we're trapped somewhere on the middle parts of Maslow's hierarchy of needs where we're just thinking about our ego and our success and money mm. and we're kind of kept in that little bubble by advertising agencies making us want to you know, drink Corona because it's from where you'd rather be or mm. you know, BMW driven to success. It's like all these little messages and that, that, those are real ones that are stuck in the back of my mind. But mm. I think I've kind of got this, this filter that I now put up where I see it for what it really is and mm. it's part of my mission is to help other people go – okay, actually, yeah, there's more to, more to life than me just earning more money to get a bigger house mm. for me to see less of my family, which is where I see a lot of people. Mm. That's fascinating, yeah. And I guess it's, um, you know, your vision, what you're outlining is something that I'm guessing, you know, you're hoping in five or ten years it's something that's actually achievable, isn't it? Totally. You know, that, that people and can grasp that vision and, and change. This is another interesting idea that I'm, I need to do a blog or a video around, is if you're in social enterprise, your business plan, if your business plan is longer than five years, then you don't have a business. Mm. Because in my mind, we need, to, we need to be getting people working on challenges that we can solve. And once you're solved, your business is done. It's mm. like, yeah, sure, you pivot at five years. You go, hey, look, we've learned a ton of stuff in the last five years solving this challenge. Cool, what's next? Mm. That's, that's the mindset. Like if every, instead of, you know, a lot of businesses and, and dare I say a lot of charities, you know, if, if you've had a charity that's been here for 100, 200 years, that's fantastic, but why do we still have this problem that you're trying to solve? Mm. Like if we actually get everyone going, like what is the thing I really care about? Is it climate change? Is it inequality? Whatever it is, what can I do to stop it? Mm. We'll so we will solve everything overnight. Yeah. It's that simple. So, so actually having the mindset of I'm in it to, to change things and then it's actually going to get better. Totally. And so I need to move on to the next thing. I need yep. to disrupt my own business model totally. and, and be ready and willing to try something new. Totally. And I think, I think for any business in general, I think that's, that's proving to be the case. You know, all these new digital based businesses, you know, your Ubers, your Airbnbs, they, you know, they are proving that businesses will be disrupted rapidly and it won't be long before there's a new better version of Uber. Mm. Airbnb. I mean, one idea that I planted with a with an Uber driver recently was, what if you guys set up Uber 2.0, we'll call it Uber or Boer or whatever, but you set it up as a worker-owned cooperative where all you cabbies actually own the business and you all take a cut. Mm. Like, how cool would that be? That solves a whole lot of challenges, mm. you know, because we know that perhaps some yeah. of these taxi companies don't so pay their a, staff. A, so it's a different uh, different mindset, different way of thinking totally. is what you're encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, yeah, that's really good. So let's just... Um, Thinking about um, your life, you know, you've um, been here a while. Just thinking, if you had a time machine, mm -hmm. you could go back and talk to your younger self. What would be some of the things that you'd you'd say to yourself? Maybe let's think like before you got into your career, you're yep. you're, you're studying medieval history, yeah, and you bump into yourself. <laughs> what what would be the things that you'd 
wish that you could have known back then? That's it's a really interesting question, and part of me, you know, I, I think about this kind of topic quite often. Like, you know, what, how how do we get to people at an earlier age to mm. to try and tell them that you know they're on the wrong path or then there is a better way of doing things? Yeah. But I generally think partly you have to have the bad experience. You have to go through that that bad time to then to act to get to that point of recognition to go this isn't working for me um the contra to that though is what you know that that's within like a relative boundary that we currently have well what if being hugely purpose-driven and you know transcendental in your thoughts and ideals and doings was actually our new baseline like what is the what is the level 10 above that that we have no idea of because we've never even got to that level so there's a little part of me that would obviously go back and just go you're about to waste 10 years of your life working for big multinational corporations who all they care about is making more money at the expense of you their patients and the hospitals that they serve is that really what you want but i think as a 22 year old i would have just gone well yeah but they're going to give me a company car a credit card mm. health insurance and i get to fly around the world mm. what's wrong with that yeah and i think this is yeah it's it's a really interesting one there's a there's a gentleman daniel batten who um i did some coaching with last year and he is really like we're talking we're thinking about how do we get into schools how do we how do we start getting purpose how do we start getting kids to be thinking on a on a higher level you know how do we normalize a lot of this conversation that you know, it's taking adults a long time to get because it's not in their subconscious. You have from from birth till the age of seven is when your subconscious is formed. So if we can get, if you can get into a kid's mind between zero to seven and normalize this, we'll have like transformational change mm. for future generations. Mm. But there's still this little part of me is like, actually, do we need them to have some insight to what to what bad is? Mm. Like with my sales hat on, if if you if I come to you, Steve, and say, hey, look, I can help you sell your legal services. Um, how does that sound to you? Mm there's a level there's a potential level of motivation if i however show to you the downside of you not selling enough of your services and i really paint that picture and then show you how i can stop that from happening mm. there is a 400 percent increase in motivation for you to change mm. so a little part of me is like you need to have people see the bad mm. to show them how good otherwise you end up in like this mcdonald's starbucks world of everything being mm. conformly rubbish mm. like you go to a fast food outlet and you know it's going to taste the same every time you go Whereas if you go to that boutique food cart, you might have a bad one one day, but the next day you have this amazing one. And you kind of, I think in life we, we've lost that art of, you know, that I delve into some of my work on the, like the Stoics, you know, you need to suffer. If you don't suffer, then you don't know what, what pleasure is. Mm. Otherwise you have this, yeah. Mm. That's a good answer. I mean, I think you're right. You have to go through things to understand what the alternatives are don't you yes i mean it, you need a reference it, point you need a reference point and you need to have an awareness of well there's this other way of doing things yep. and i'm i'm making a conscious choice that i'm going to act with purpose and i'm going to um, do things differently yep and and that sure you can say that and you can do that for a short term um, but to actually have it be you know in a marathon you need to have exactly. a lot of drive and something yep. that's going to keep you motivated, keep you going. And yep. if you haven't got that reference point to look back and say, oh, I can't believe I did that. Yeah, or, I can't believe I did that. That's and how I used to be. That, oh, what yeah. an idiot. Yep. Yep. I mean, there's also um, neurologically, there's, there's a gentleman, Nathan Wallace, I think his name is. He does mm. a lot of um, sort of neuro work on child development. Mm. And as he says, you know, the, the male brain, the, the prefrontal cortex is sometimes not developed until the mid twenties. Mm. And that's why we have a lot, you know, increasing, well, 
I guess it's more likely that if you have a teenage or, or 20 year old son that they are sitting on your couch playing video games because their brain does they do not know what they want to do they haven't worked it out yet and it's mm. because neurologically their brain is not developed enough so mm. in some ways I, I kind of almost feel there's an argument for putting all 18 to 25 year old boys on some big island somewhere and just letting them right just get on with get it. on with it and be crazy which is what <laughs> are the flies yeah <laughs> almost yeah which is i guess really what in some ways university is about yeah. you know yeah. boys just kind of go off and yeah play sport and you know yeah. don't perhaps apply themselves as maybe i'm speaking too much for myself here yeah. um <laughs> but you know what i mean i think there's a lot yeah. particularly the males is we we don't think consciously perhaps yeah. as much as females do yeah. now um, i have a question about that just younger generation coming up what I'm noticing is that they, many of them do have this sense of purpose. They yes. do sort of almost inherently, they're coming out of university and they're saying, well, actually, it's not all about the money. Yes. What, what, you know, I'm here interviewing for a job, but uh, tell me about your purpose. What are your values? Totally. You know? and, and so I think there is a mindset shift. Do, where do you think that's coming from? Is that just a generational thing or is it because it's something that I'm noticing, particularly people that I'm meeting, you know, in their 20s and they just seem to have like, inherently that they want to reject the way things yes. were done you know the excesses of the past and looking for new ways what? totally i think that there's probably there's a few things uh, i think i think a lot of them have seen their parents going to work you know six seven days a week and mm. maybe them not being there and they've kind of gone well that didn't work out so well for me um i'd actually like to have seen my mum and dad a bit more so i think there's yep. there's partly that i think let's face it you know we in new zealand you know you look at the housing affordability, you know, you look at um, inequality in general, environmental destruction that we're seeing, you know, across New Zealand through what industry is doing. I think that these kids have somehow slipped through and, and have gone, actually, I, I don't want to be a part of that. Like, I, I don't, I'd rather not work for a big company that is causing those um, for more money. I'd rather actually fix the problem. So I guess that's, for them, I guess probably um, easier access to information, you know, mm. You know, when I was at school, it was whatever the geography teacher told you. That's that's mm. all you knew about climate change or whatever. It wasn't. It's not on your newsfeed twenty four seven hours a day. It's not on Facebook. You can't. I, I think perhaps also this generation are, are probably better taught in terms of that level of research. Like you know, for me, I, I look back and make myself feel really old now. Like you know, at school, well, there was the library with some books. You know, the internet hadn't been invented when I was at school, mm. so you couldn't just go online and go. Well, you know, I think you're. I mean, a mate of mine. Um, Chris Clay, he, he used to be a teacher and, and I, this was quite famous in New Zealand. He got his class to basically debunk, um, I think it was Ribena had this claim that they had more vitamin C than oranges. Well, you know, his class of, I think they might have been like 10 year olds, debunked it by researching it on the internet. Like, that wouldn't have happened wouldn't have in happened, 1980, yeah. whatever, when I was yeah. at school. You just I, go, okay, that's good to know. Yeah, I was giving a presentation yesterday and, and talking to the people in the, in the room and just saying, who remembers encyclopedias, you know? Like, <laughs> that, that's a, yeah, no, but th this was something, you know, in our house, I remember it was called the World Book. And yeah. it was like A, B, C, <laughs> and you wanted to look up volcano. Oh, I'll get the V out. And oh, there's a, oh, that's what a volcano is. Whereas now, yeah. you know, like you say, oh, smartphone, Google. Yep. And yeah, it's a, it's a different level of information. Yeah, information and, and connectivity. And, um, I think lastly for me, I, I gave a talk actually at a local school to some, it was really interesting giving a talk to like five to nine year olds. Right. And, you know, you kids get it. Like they, they understand. Like you, I asked them, you know, so what, what makes you happy? Oh, hanging out with my pet, hanging out with my brother, hanging out with my friends, hanging out with my family. Fantastic. Not one of you said money because you don't know what money is yet. Mm. 
but even if you did know, like you, you kind of do know what money is, but you, you've realised that actually the importance to you is not money. So I think, yeah, it's, it's at some point maybe historically that like I don't know where does that mm. where that, does it shift? Yeah, where does it <laughs> shift? And I, I think, but I think yeah, it's it's happened. Mm. Uh, who almost who cares why? But it has, and mm. I think that's what we need to celebrate. And I think this is. Um, you know, you see a lot of businesses go, oh, these millennials are, oh, they're ruining our business. And it's like, well, if your business is not relevant to the next wave of consumers, then that's kind of how capitalism is supposed to work. You mm. know, you evolve or you die. Mm. So I think it's just really promising that, um, and I think what we actually need to do is get more older guys like us, who I, th- I think we're probably the outliers. We kind of get it. Mm. We understand purpose, but there's a lot of people in, you know, parents, but also in, in positions of responsibility in business who, who have... I think have hidden their own authenticity and purpose for mm. the sake of working for the man and working for the money mm. who, where we have high rates of depression and anxiety. And, you know, there's, there's a lovely little um, picture I've got on my computer at home of these two Buddhist monks, one saying to the other, Hey, do you think it's time we gave this up for a life of rampant consumerism? <laughs> like you never see anyone going from being a Buddhist monk to be going all about money and things. Mm. You always see burnt out CEOs going, it wasn't worth it. Mm. I've now found spirituality or I found God or I found mm. Buddhism or I found, something and i've realized that my life was a complete waste of time and energy and i now don't have a family and friends and all the rest of it mm. uh, it's, for, it's a no-brainer for me it was similar to you kind of that paradigm shift it, it was actually more the opposite and i was thinking you know at the end of my life like w- what am i going to look back on and you know I, I know others have said this but what am i going to look back on am i going to wish that i'd spent more time working you know exactly wish that i'd had a better car wish that my house had a bigger yard or whatever it is you know like exactly it's that mindset of um we each have a limited time on earth we're here and what do we do with that time how do we totally. act so yeah but it's uh, and this is so right you look at the you know the top five regrets of the dying is exactly that and mm. i guess humans are really bad though like we'll go out tonight and you know you're gonna have a few glasses of wine and dinner out and you might have a few more beers and you get a bit of a hangover and you kind of know that's going to happen but you still do it and it's for us to even envisage tomorrow and the impact of our actions today to tomorrow we're really good at diminishing that impact Mm. for us to kind of go you know 50 60 Mm. even 20 years time yeah like what am i doing today like we're really bad as humans at at thinking like that Mm. But then equally, you know, $500 billion a year is spent globally by advertising to make you not think how you want to think. Mm. That's their job. Their job is to persuade you to believe and buy into their narrative that mm. having the bigger house, having the bigger car, and then, you know, we, we fall into that and then we see our neighbours and then we go, oh, wow, Stephen's just got a new car. Oh, mm. oh, maybe I should get a new car. Mm. Whereas actually, we're all sitting there not thinking about what our neighbours are driving and all the rest of it, but we're, we're told to think that way. Mm. And so it's, it's almost like we need this... Um, you know, it's like we're on this nuclear proliferation arms race of buying stuff to make us feel good, but mm. it, it's documented on so many levels that it, it just doesn't work for you. You know, you're yeah. better off, you know, taking two hours off your work every day to earn less money to go and meditate for two hours or do yoga or pray for two hours. Mm. You'd have more insight, focus, clarity, mm. contentment, happiness than you would from that time at work. Yeah. But we're not, condi- you know, there's no advertising for that. You mm. know, it's all about buy this stuff, it'll make you happier. Mm. Mm. Well, it's a fascinating topic, and I think just thinking about purpose and impact it's just been really interesting to hear your story what got you you know started on that journey and some of the challenges that you faced along the way um, if people want to connect with you where can they do that um, is there a website or um, some other way that they can reach out to you yeah sure um yes yeah, so my business is called grow good and the website is just www.growgood.co and um yeah 
find me there or just uh, Google Grow Good and I think it comes up pretty quick. Um, yeah. Find me on Facebook, whatever. And yeah, always happy. You know, if people want to know more about purpose, want to know more about what you know what they can do on an individual level or on a business level, uh, yeah, I'm really keen to connect and start making a difference. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming and um, having this chat. I think it's been really helpful. It's helpful for me and I hope it's helpful for um, our listeners as well. So thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Wasn't that conversation with Tim refreshing? I just really enjoyed his reflections on so many different topics. In the next episode, we're going to be talking with Neta Igos, who's a social enterprise lawyer who's now living in Tokyo and she's working with Petrikucha. And if you're not sure what that is, then you'll have to tune in next time to find out. But here's an extract from the conversation I had with her. I guess it was labeled a while ago selectivism. So the idea of like, like this page, share this page, mm-hmm. and you're making a difference. And people get that instant gratification of, oh, well, I signed that petition and therefore I'm making a change. And I'm not saying those things aren't important, but they don't act in isolation. And so one thing I would say to you know maybe my 15-year-old friends is, just signing that petition at the body shop is not enough. You know, it's saying no to that plastic bag, that makes a difference. Um, you know, trying to buy food with less packaging, that makes a difference. Mm. It doesn't feel like it, but those do. Mm. And I think just because you can't do everything doesn't mean you should do nothing. And right. that's a really big thing that I still practice now. As you can tell from that brief extract, there's a lot of wisdom in the conversation I have with Netta. And I hope you can join me on the next episode. In the meantime, if this has been helpful, then please consider sharing it with someone else to spread the word. Until next time.